be inspired to love life, to achieve extraordinary feats, and to change the world around you for the better. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott. Novocastrian Grant Morn now lives in Miami as an ultra marathon runner. His first story, however, has him seeking freedom, fitness and friendship in the seaside city of Newcastle and all the adventures that ensued. We have Grant Morn today on Love Your Life, Tell Your Story. Welcome, Grant. It's so good to see you. Grant lives in Miami. However, Grant is a Novocastrian and comes from Dudley. So it's wonderful to see Grant and he is certainly a fabulous space to see. And I don't know if anybody has ever seen Grant, but when Grant does visit Newcastle, he can often be seen running around with a tyre tied to his waist and he has been in the Herald doing that. So it's fabulous to see his face here on Love Your Life, Tell Your Story. So Grant, we're here to hear your first story today and we do have four stories to hear from you as we do from everybody who comes on to our podcast. Where are you going to go with your first story today? Well, Kathleen, I'm 58 years old now. I was born and raised in Newcastle though and now live in the USA. But as a young kid, I always dreamed of adventure. I wanted to travel all the time from a very young age. And uh, I remember I asked my sister who had an actual typewriter and knew how to use it. I got her to type up all sorts of letters to send to oil companies and that to see if I could get a job on oil rigs or on ships or anything like that because I just wanted to go away and travel. And, you know, even from a young age, you know, seven or eight, I always wanted to do things like that and always read books and National Geographic magazines and I was always just curious about getting out there and, and seeing the world and I think that's how I evolved and end up uh, doing all these adventures that I've done over the last few decades. It's kind of how I evolved into who I am today. It's interesting that you have that word curious. So, so that seems to be a common thread. So tell me more about your young curiosity. Well, when I was a kid, I was interested in just about everything. It used to drive my mother crazy because one month I'd be into soccer and the next month I'd be into rugby league and then I'd be into learning the guitar or, you know, studying some foreign subject in some faraway country. But I, I just couldn't get enough information about stuff and it was all about reading. I used, was a voracious reader and used to read anything from, you know, technical magazines to uh, textbooks and, you know, the great literary writers and things like that. I just wanted to know about the whole word, world and I we just always wanted to know what was over the horizon. And whenever I'd go somewhere, I'd always end up looking further and wondering what was over the next horizon. When I get to that horizon, there was another one to follow, you know. So it was just a, a combining of all this interest and curiosity that just kind of dragged me around the world. And, and to this day, I really haven't stopped. I'm still a, a curious traveller and a, a person that's interested in education and learning as much as I can about anything. So that curiosity has maintained or been a consistent personality trait, I suppose, from that young age. It hasn't stopped being part of you. How did that manifest in your behaviour as a young boy? I think it manifested by me trying to do a lot of things. I wasn't embarrassed to try things that I knew I couldn't do. I just wanted to have a go and experience it. And uh, when I'd get into something, I'd just try and learn as much as I possibly could about the subject, become competent at it, and then I'd kind of get a little bit bored with it because I'd learned everything I could and then I'd drop that and go on to the next thing. So, you know, one week I was going this way and the next week I was going that way. My mother, even though it drove her crazy, she really 
pushed me to go and do that because she knew it was, you know, part of my personality and part of my genes about trying to become something in the world. And, you know, I wasn't really sure what I was going to be and what I wanted to do, but I just wanted to try all these things until I found something that fit and then that had taken me on that tangent. So tell us, what was your favourite? Did you stick at any of your pursuits? Yeah, travelling. <laughs> <laughs> well, not as a boy. You know, um, not I, as a boy. School, tell us tell us about the boy. I, I want to know about I, the boy. boy, yeah. The boy. Who when was, who school, was I, Grant? I remember I was quite fit from a very young age. I always had an interest in being healthy. Everywhere I'd go, I'd run or walk or ride my bike and it was always flat out. I remember being on my bike in the middle of the night coming home from my girlfriend's place and I'd, I'd time trial every time from her front door to my front door to see if I could do it faster every time. And then, you know, if we never catch the bus to school, we'd always walk or we'd run or we'd ride our bike. And then we started walking miles and miles to get down to the beach at Dudley. And then a mate of mine uh, decided that we should try and run all the way to Redhead Beach from Whitebridge, and that's what we did. I don't know that run. We don't know that run. No one, you know, who hasn't been there knows that run. So describe what that run looks like for a young boy. Well, I guess it's probably about 10 kilometres, which yeah. is a huge distance for a young lad with short legs. Yeah. I've still got short legs. And we used to get up around about, I think it was about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'd run up the hill. There was a junction where uh, Cholstown Road would meet Redhead Road, and my mate Footy, he lived down in Dudley and the junction met at the Anzac obelisk at the top of the hill and we'd meet there in the dark and then we'd run all the way down Redhead Road, all the way down to the beach. And we had a friend that we went to school with and we stored our surfboards under her house. So we'd go under there quietly when it was dark, get our surfboards, run down the beach and have a surf. After the surf and when it was light, you know, we'd take our boards, store them again and we'd catch the first school bus back up the hill that was taking the first load of kids to Whitebridge High. We get off the bus near our house, run home, have a shower, and then run to school and be there in time for the first bell. Now describe that beach to us. Redhead Beach is a beautiful long strip of, you know, classic Australian golden sand. It goes all the way down to Blacksmiths. It's probably, I don't know, eight or ten kilometres long, maybe more. At the northern end of Redhead Beach, there's a beautiful escarpment, red rock, that sticks up, juts out into the sea, and, and uh, there is a clubhouse there for the Surf Life Saving Club. There's a set of rocks out the front of there that has a shark tower on there, and that shark tower has been there ever since I can remember, probably from my first memory of going down Redhead Beach, you know, four or five years old, and I think that shark tower still sits there. And it's a popular beach with swimmers and surfers. It's a real classic example of the Australian beach. Not built out. No. What year are we talking about, Grant? I'd say... When I was doing that, it was probably 1977, 1978. So this village that you grew up in in 1978, describe in your story the village. I grew up at a little town called Whitebridge. It was yeah. in between Charlestown and Dudley. It was a classic little Australian suburbia. You know, there's weatherboard planked houses uh, up on uh, concrete and red brick footings. Everyone had a, a little fence out the front, a bit of green grass, uh, a tile, red tile roof. Every driveway had an old Holden or an old Ford parked in there. You knew your neighbours, knew the people down the street, you knew the people up the other end of the street, you knew the kids that were running around there. It was, a, it was a, just a little tiny, you know, uh, metropolis, hamlet. a little pocket. Of, of a little people. hamlet. Yeah, a little hamlet, yeah. And, and kids could gather and form groups 
and go for a surf to this idyllic beach that you're describing that's not built out back then and go for a surf together. So am I getting this right? And yeah, then that's about right. before the school bus and go for a 10K run and then hide their surfboards and then go to school. Okay. We used to do that on a consistent basis. And I'll tell you what, it made you feel great to get to school. You were so full of energy. You had the sun on your face. You had salt in your hair and things like that. You caught a few waves, so you were stoked, you know. It, it just made the day 100% better. Now, can I ask you, now I'm getting the picture so that we can all share this picture, can I ask you in this story that you're telling us, in this little beachside hamlet in the middle of Whitebridge, Dudley, Charlestown, at the edge of the east coast of Australia, in these little houses, and you've got this little fitness group by the sounds of it that is mixed gendered, I take it. Did you have a coach? No. <laughs> I mean, back then, you know, if. We all ran around and rode bikes and walked everywhere. We had no idea we were actually getting fitness. It was just a way that we could get from point A to point B, um, you know, with your buddies and your friends and have a good time doing it. Back then, I remember people would tell you, oh, if you run too much, you're going to destroy your knees and hurt your back and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it didn't stop us. We just wanted to go places. And the best way we could do that was self-propulsion. You know, we had energy to burn. We're outdoors all the time. You know, mum would probably say, you know, come home at six o'clock for dinner, make sure you're back in, you know, before the street lights come on. Yeah. Um, and apart from that, you'll just let loose and we'll see you tonight, sort of. Because thing. of it's this hamlet that you lived in and everybody knew everybody else. And so it was a, this village, this seaside village. And so your curiosity and your drive to try different sports was the compulsion to experience fitness as well and the energy that you had. Yeah. And I remember from a very early age, I, I figured inherently that I should be healthy. You know, there was nothing like personal coaches or gyms or anything like that around, but I just felt like I needed to try and eat healthily and uh, do, do exercise because when I played sport like soccer or rugby or cricket or anything like that, you needed a lot of energy. And I preferred to be able to play to the best of my abilities and, and not be worn out too much during the game. I think to this day that's helped me stay fit and healthy and, and get involved in other things decades later. Want to keep the conversation going and connect with like-minded, positive people changing our world for the better? Be inspired by fellow changemakers and join our closed Facebook community to keep the conversation going. Search Love Your Life, Tell Your Story now. So I suppose that was one of the curiosities that I had too. What formal sports groups did you belong to during that time? And at what age did you join those formal sports groups? Well, I guess soccer was probably my primary sport. And I can remember playing, I think, under six soccer. So, so football, yeah. soccer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, uh, I played in the Cahiba teams. Cahiba had a whole bunch of soccer teams and I played with them. And, and Cahiba is another little village town in the middle of this ha or these hamlets. Yeah. And then on a sad day, you'd have a competitive game against these other little hamlets, you 
know and you'd see all these other guys that you didn't know that went to different schools, you know. So it was always really competitive and you knew who the good players were or the tough guys were, but everyone had a good time and, and, and it made for some really exciting sport. And I think it was really important growing up being involved in that sort of team component, playing team sports and, and learning how to get together with a group of people and, and get do an objective, you know have fun yeah. doing it at the same time. And what age did you join as a, a team sport? I, I think under six was about the earliest I remember playing soccer. I, I don't think there were much of players in. It was just a group of kids out on the grass, you know, kicking the ball in different directions and dads and referees running around trying to control us all. But, you know, we had fun. And then as, as we got older, you know, you got better and more experienced and, and more competitive. You know, some guys, when we got in, into high school and beyond, they took a more semi-professional approach and continued doing that you know at that point for myself I tended to go off traveling and and forgot about it but uh, that was really important part of growing up doing those team sports. And so Grant um, can you tell us were your parents involved in your sporting pursuits were they encouraging were they part of the sports you said your mum certainly encouraged you were both your parents involved in the team sports? Yeah, yeah, totally encouraging. You know, my dad coached us one or two seasons when we were young lads or, you know, was always there uh, during the game. Mum would come to most of the games as, you know, be on the sideline yelling with all the other mum, dads and stuff like that. It was really good, you know, and, you know, sometimes someone would have a, a camera, you know, which wasn't that common back in those days. So you'd see a picture picture of a, a kid's playing and, you know, that was always a thrill to see yourself kicking a soccer ball and stuff. But it was always nice when your parents came and you've seen them on the sideline and, and they've seen you because, you, you know, you felt like you're really doing good stuff and impressing. So part of this story is that there was a lot of support and nurture and encouragement for you to be autonomous and yet you were also part of a group sports and then very encouraged to be fit. Yeah, I mean, it was all about being outdoors, I remember as a kid. There was never, you know, on a rainy day, you'd sit inside and play Monopoly or build uh, plastic aeroplanes or things like that. But as soon as the sun was out or the rain was gone, everyone was outside doing something. And um, it didn't matter if you came home with skin off your knees and your elbows crying, you know, because you'd had a fall or a bike crash or something. Um, it was all about being out there and just having a go at stuff. If we talk about this time in your life as a love your life story, what what's your take home for that period of your life for, to tell us about that period of your life? What is your take home? I think for me that was when I look back and I'm in the process of writing a book about this whole experience. Oh, of wow. That's awesome. Mountain, mountain climbing and that now. But that period in my life I believe was integral for me growing up, gaining a personality, gaining confidence to keep going further and further and experiencing and trying different things. And these days now that I'm doing endurance sports and long-distance running and things like that, I think that exercise and fitness that I gained as a young lad during those formative years, you know, when your body's still developing and growing, has seen me through all those decades now until I'm 58 and I can still go and run, you know, 200 kilometres, 300 kilometres and race with hardly any problem, you know. And uh, I think that time in my life developed 
who I am today. I can hear that. I think everyone can hear that. We can all hear that. That these were the foundation years for you. That set up the essence of who you are as an athlete and who you are in that curiosity and that perseverance, that grounding and the formation of your personality. I can see that that formation and it's the idyllic little village that you were brought up in. It's just picturesque as you describe it. The, the beach has changed down there now with mansions built on the cliffs and, you know, it is built out now, but it, it's still a hamlet. There's no doubt about that. That hasn't changed. It's still a village. So there is um, still some of the essence and the beaches are still beautifully Australian beaches. However, it's not the same hamlet as it was in the 70s, but your foundations can still be gained easily by encouraging fitness and encouraging health. So I'm very glad that you shared that with us. I can see how that resilience and bouncing forward is the thread that you've told us in your story today. So I'm really grateful that you've shared it with us and I can't wait to hear your second story. So I'm very glad that you came on today. This is only part of our story. To hear the rest, leap forward to the next podcast and give us five stars wherever you listen. Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott.